Are you afraid that your kids are going to live in your basement until they inherit your house? At the Kid Factor Academy, we can ease your fears and empower your kids. Go to thekidfactor.fun to book a free chat with me and learn how to get your kids to move out of your basement sooner. Hey, young entrepreneurs and savvy parents. On this podcast, we are unlocking the secrets to financial success and empowering young minds through financial education, personal development, and entrepreneurship. We're here to provide practical tips and guidance on raising unstoppable and money-savvy kids. We'll explore inspiring stories from young trailblazers and interview successful entrepreneurs so your kids won't inherit your financial history. It's never too late to learn about money and build the life most adults only dream of. From managing your birthday money to starting your own community-based business or even launching an online business, we've got you covered. I started my first business at the age of six and a half. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur ever since. So buckle up and join us on this thrilling adventure that will empower you and your kids to achieve unstoppable greatness and generational wealth. I'm your host, Barb V, and this is the Kid Factor Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Kid Factor. I'm your host, Barb V, and today we are bringing back an incredible person that you have learned a little bit about. I want you to welcome Michelle Slaney Travato. Michelle, welcome back. I am so excited to be here, and I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get through this episode peacefully. My son is here, and this is just going to be such a hoot. Oh, no worries. Bring him on. Audience will love it and they'll understand why. Michelle has a master's degree in special education and she has taught in a wide variety of educational settings, including deaf education, alternate education and student leadership. And also Michelle has and is the mom of a special needs child. And today we might have a guest visit, a special guest visit from her child, but Michelle is working with her son in the youth going to the adult system in Canada. Michelle is the founder and host of the top rated podcast and TV show, Living Your Legacy. She specializes in helping caregivers craft and create legacy they want to see for their loved ones. And that's what we're going to unleash today. So, Michelle, let's have at it. I am so excited. Off camera, before we got on here, my son has been showing up and doing all kinds of fun things and making Barb and I laugh. So he may be the guest appearance today, in which case he's a show stealer. So he'll, he'll just be like taking over for me. Yes, he is. So, but, and that's why we're here today, because we're talking about one of the things that you do and are doing. We talked a little bit about it last time you were on the show, that you are in year two of a 10 year plan for him. Mm-hmm. So if you would please lead us on. Okay. So if you are a caregiver or a parent of a child with disabilities, 
this transition, no matter where you are in the world, from the kids system or the youth system to the adult system is is a really challenging one. As much as we feel that there's much that needs to be done in the youth system and more things that could be provided for our children, there's just less in the adult system. There's less funding available. There's less opportunities available. And it can be really daunting and overwhelming. And certainly that was our experience as a family when we stepped into this and looking at what's available out there. And so ultimately, it's really easy to get lost, I think, in the lack and the worry. What am I going to do? This is you know, not great. This is, I'm so concerned about this. For example, things like funding, although the funding sources for people with disabilities get bigger as they get older. Still, if it was the only source of income that my son had to live on, he will live under the poverty line for the rest of his life. So that's scary. Or housing. The options for housing that are provided for him are absolutely not what I want for him. They're not what's going to work for him. And I mean, he could live there, but he's not going to live the life I want for him. And I think he wants for himself a life of happiness and peace and contentment, a life where he feels great joy, where he goes to bed contented and wakes up happy rather than being afraid, living in fear or not knowing what's going to be there, who's going to be there as time goes on. So my husband and I really thought about, well, there's so many things. What would be the place that we would want to take things on? And the question we got asked that really helped to crystallize that for us was this. Where do you see your son in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years when you're not here? Now, that one sat with me. It was Real heavy. Right yeah, to the heart. Really heavy. Yeah. Well, where, what do I want for him when I'm not here to pick up the pieces, to be his champion, to be his advocate? What do I want to see? Now, my son is older. He's going to be 19 shortly. So he is an older child. And so obviously, this is definitely more in the forefront of my mind. But I would ask all parents to start thinking about that, right? No matter how old your child is, where do you hope to see them as an adult? And then to start working towards that. Now, within reason, my child has, he has multiple disabilities and one of them is that he's functionally nonverbal. Could I wish for him to be able to wake up tomorrow and speak like me? Sure. Is that likely to happen though? Probably not. So is that a reasonable goal that I can really, you know, put myself behind and work towards? Probably not. So I chose housing as the thing that we would look at. And backstory, two years ago, my son got a bestie. It's another young man with disabilities and they're like thick as thieves, two peas in a pod. Like they are so fun together. <laughs> it's, it's really entertaining to watch the two of them together. They just adore each other. And the school sent them out on a work experience placement at a car dealership for two weeks. They went Monday to Friday. And these two boys had so much fun. They were so excited. They were thrilled to be a part of it. And when my son's friend came over to our house, I happened to catch a conversation walking in the room between the two of them about how fun it would be as adults 
to work together and live together. And that got me thinking. I'm not an employer. So I was like, I don't know right now what I could do about the working together situation. But hmm, living together, maybe I could do something about that. I mean, I'm not from where I live now. So I'm on the West Coast of Canada. I'm originally from the East Coast of Canada. And when I moved out, I moved out with my friends and all the awesomeness and awfulness that that was. And I had that experience and there was no question that I could have that experience as a young adult, right? And that's the the typical progression Mm -hmm. for children moving from the nest and flapping their wings. Mm-hmm. And I know as a former special education teacher that that's one of the things parents go through mm-hmm. when they have children with special needs. And when they have these changes, life changes in normal progression, sometimes our children with special needs don't, and their parents kind of relive that sadness all over again. Mm-hmm. I am thrilled that you're planning for that mm-hmm. and preparing for that now. Yep. We decided that this was something we might be able to do something about. Yes. And I thought, how cool would it be to give my son the opportunity to have the same experience I did? Now, I recognize it isn't going to look like mine. I moved clear across the country to have my experience. And he won't be doing that. I like him a lot enough to keep him close. And all his service providers are in our city. It's not that my mom didn't like me. She liked me a lot. She was actually very sad. I moved across the country. But with my son, it, there's going to be a need to keep him close with as part of our plan. And so I thought, well, what if I could do that? What if there was, we could figure out a way to make that happen? That these two incredible young men who do need some additional supports could actually live together and, you know, be able to be close to their families and interact in our community in the ways that I know we've all been working on. And if you're hearing yelling in the background, that's my son really trying to get everybody's attention. <laughs> now, so, and, and he, uh, there he is. And here he is. <laughs> on cue. I'm excited. Well, and he's also not your only child. No, he's no. not. As he had just answered the question, he never heard. <laughs> yeah, he's not. We have a younger son who's about four and a half years younger than him, who has a few minor challenges of his own, but definitely doesn't have the level of significant disabilities that the guy, if you can't, if you're on the podcast, he's on my shoulder, smiling at Barb and trying really hard to get our attention. If you're hearing him, he's right beside my mic. So if you hear some random and interesting sounds, that's not me. That's the kid that I live with. So yeah, we have two boys in our house. And part of the goal that we're formulating has to do with my younger son too. Both our boys are adopted. And one of the things that's always been very top of mind for me is to ensure that my younger son never feels that we brought him into our family to be the caregiver for his brother. Oh, I love that. That we want him to grow his wings and fly in his life, whatever that's going to look like for him. We don't expect him to live with his brother. We don't expect him to be his brother's caregiver. In fact, he says, I love my brother. I just don't want to live with him. I'm like, that's fine. I don't live with my sister either. (laughs) Right? That's not a problem. I want him to be able to have his freedom. and. 
We wanted to find a way to give both boys their freedom in a way that allows them to just love each other, but not have to be responsible for each other. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, it was a, it was a big goal for us. And, and we've made that really, really clear for our younger son. And when I tell you the plan, I'll tell you the incredible things my younger son said when we got into all this. Okay. Keep going. Tell us okay. more. I wanted our audience to know you're not just a single child household. Nope. Because so many of our listeners and our viewers don't have just one special needs child mm-hmm. or they don't have just one child. Mm-hmm. And how are you making it? And you, it sounds like you are and you're planning for it now. How are you making it so that one doesn't feel like the other is getting all the attention mm-hmm. or it's not a balance something and mm-hmm. you love him more than you love mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. keep well, I'll address that and then I'll skip back to our plan. Okay. Um, one of the things my husband and I decided when the boys were very, very little and our youngest son joined our family was that we wanted to make sure that we built in time just for our youngest son. So regularly we will do things. So sometimes it's a divide and conquer. One parent takes one child somewhere and one parent takes the other child. Or for example, one of the things we love to do is go on a lunch date. So if he has a medical appointment or a dental appointment, we'll take the whole day off school and we go out to lunch, just the two of us. And it's just his time. Now he also loves my car. And so sometimes we just go for a drive. He'll say, mom, can we go for a drive? And we get in the car and we just drive and we listen to music and we talk and it's just time, special time for him with me or him with my husband. And we've always made sure to build that in. It doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. Sometimes it's just two people are watching TV in one room and two people are watching TV in another room. And we're just watching a show together or like I said, going for a drive. Sometimes it's just, I have to run errands and I'll say, Hey, I have to run errands. Do you want to come with me? And he'll say, yes. Now he sits in the car while I run around, but you know, during our time in the car, that's just our time. And sometimes we'll build in something like, do you want to stop for an ice cream? Or, you know, is there someplace you'd really like to drive to? And we'll just add a little bit of extra time so that he's always had that in there. And then the second piece is that we've been very frank with the discussions about his older brother's needs, that they are big and they are consistent. And it requires focused attention from both his parents to be able to do that. But it is not focused attention that's taken away from him. It's to help his brother be able to live a more air quotes, normal life. He requires more direct instruction, more direct support. And that his younger brother doesn't. And we say that to him, you don't need this. You can have a conversation with me and that's that. You go away and make the decisions on your own where your brother may need to have that same conversation in a simplified format 55 times before it gets (laughs) synced in, right? So we certainly have been open with him about that. And he's been really good in understanding that there are times that things are just for him. And sometimes things are just for his brother and he is so good about all that. So that's something we built in over the course of the last, how old is my youngest? 14. So over the last 14 years, we really worked hard to build that in so that he knows that he can get that. Or we will take his brother out so he can have friends come in because his brother likes to be involved and sometimes grab all the attention. So 
This way he can just have time with his friends where he doesn't need to manage his brother or engaging his brother with his friend. So we just structure it that way so that periodically and as often as we can, he gets to have those experiences on his own. And it's great. And he's got friends that he goes out to see by himself and his brother doesn't come. And we are cool with that, that he should be invited out to things that his brother isn't always going to be a part of. So that's sort of the ways we worked it in so that he has never, ever said to us that he thinks his brother is more important or that his brother gets all the attention. In fact, what he usually says is, I feel like my brother needs some more attention in this area right now. Hmm. Okay, thanks. And off we go focus on that. Yeah, like he's really good about that. And he recognizes that that time with us is because we tell him this is just for us. And we love you so much. And sometimes when I'm driving, it's just my time to pour into him all the amazing things that I see about him or how incredible a brother he is or all that stuff. It's just an opportunity to do that. And that's so needed. So it is really important hearing that because I know there's so many parents out here that they're struggling with how to handle that. And I love the way that you guys do it. So thanks. now I'd like to add one little piece. If you are a single parent and you have multiple children, you're listening to this and thinking that's great, but I don't have somebody to support me. This is one of the places where we need to be really creative. Where I live, I have no family here. So I don't actually have any family support. And that can be a bit scary and lonely and overwhelming. Here's what you need to do. Forge it. Family doesn't necessarily mean your blood relatives. It's those you choose. Do you have an amazing friend who would sit with or take care of or hang out with your child with disabilities for half an hour and let you go for a walk or a drive or to the park with your other children? Yeah. Do you have somebody who, you know, might take your child so you could take your other children to the movies or out to something special or out for ice cream where it's just you. It doesn't have to be huge. It's not like going to the Taylor Swift concert, right? Where like the world is shattering and she broke the internet when her tickets went on sale. It's not like that. It's usually it's these little things that create these memories for our children. Can you go for a walk with your child? Is there a park close by? Can you go for a bike ride? Can you go watch them do a sport of some sort if that's possible? Can you take them for ice cream or, you know, out for a Slurpee? Whatever it is, it's those little pockets of time that add such value to our children. Is it possible to trade off? I actually have moms I trade off with. So I plunk my kid at their place and they play with her kids and I go do what I need to do. And then they plunk their kids at my place and they go do what they need to do. Can you create that community around yourself so you can forge those moments? Again, doesn't have to be every single day. It doesn't even have to be once a week. It could be once a month. Children just love us and they need that time with us. So figuring out creative ways to do that is always going to be of benefit. Right. So hopefully that helps somebody. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I was coming up and working and started teaching and everything else, I didn't have my own family yet. I have, didn't have children, but I was a respite caregiver mm-hmm. for young people and mm-hmm. elderly. 
And for caregivers, that's one of the things that I did because, and then the neat part was it increased my experience across the board and enhanced my resume. Not that that was what it was about, but there are different agencies out there that you can find those Mm -hmm. respite caregivers. Yep, for sure. And again, there's always young people in communities. So is there somebody who would like to be a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, a social worker, somebody who's like striving towards that, who might like to have some experience? For example, my oldest son would like to start taking public transit home from school this year. So that's going to be a work in progress. And one of the things that I'm going to do is ask some of his neurotypical able-bodied peers if they would just travel with him and I will write them a letter of reference. Perfect. They want that because they want to start their lives and they're applying for things, jobs and post-secondary and all that kind of stuff. So is there a young person that you can bring on board, somebody who might be really interested and you can start small, like come over and like have tea with us and see what my child is like. Ask lots of questions, get information. Can I go upstairs and you hang out for a little bit and get the feel for what this could look like, right? You can grow into that. Absolutely. And lots of times they're looking for those volunteer experiences so that they can add to their resumes. They can ask you for a reference. They can get a letter of reference. So again, those things are great opportunities and it builds community around your child because these are kids in your community who now will know your child when they're out and about in the community, which adds so many levels of safety and security around your child. So again, lots of neat ideas. As long as you think creatively about how you can do it, anything is possible. I'm still one of my, and my audience knows I'm a power lifter. Mm-hmm. And a part of my experience, I w- used to coach special Olympics powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I am so good friends with some of my athletes from 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I now live on the other side of the country. But mm-hmm. once a month or so, we are always getting on the phone, mm-hmm. we jump on a Zoom, and we yeah. still communicate and talk. Mm-hmm. My sidekick showed up again. Yes, he did. <laughs> He's uh, currently dancing on the computer. So Awesome. So tell us more about what your plans are for him and okay. all of that. So circling back to this idea of maybe I could create an opportunity for him to live with his friend started thinking about what that could look like. And initially we thought, well, maybe we would look at buying a small condo, but my son has two volumes and those are loud and asleep. And I thought, well, he might not be the favorite of the condo board. If there's people all around him, that's maybe not the best idea for him. And we also thought we need where he lives to be Mm self-sustaining. So how can we do that? Probably not be able to do that in a condo in terms of having somebody else pay to be there. So we thought, "Mm, maybe that's not the right idea. Then we looked at potentially buying a townhouse. Same idea though. We're, We're sharing a wall or two walls with other people. Again, I don't want him to be living in a life of shh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that. I don't want him to be living in that world. He just repeated what I said in case you didn't hear it. I want him to, again, that doesn't add to his happiness or joy or peace. That's just anxiety causing. So we thought, all right, well, maybe not. So then we thought, well, what if we looked at a detached home? So single family home, what could we do with that? Now, 
As I said in our earlier interview, I live in the most expensive city in Canada. We buy Manhattan for prices, so that's expensive. So how can we come at this? Because this is a really big number. There are a lot of zeros before we get to the decimal. And so I'm like, "Mm, how can we do this in a way that makes sure that we're all okay and we're taken care of? So... We thought, all right, well, most houses here are being built with a suite in them, or they can be suited out. You can hire a renovator and make a suite. So we thought, well, if we do this, then we would want a house with a suite. We would rent the suite at fair market value to someone who is okay with the idea that people with disabilities live there. So I'll address the first part, fair market value. If that price can cover the mortgage, then I don't need to come up with the total price tag. I need to come up with a big enough mortgage down payment Mm -hmm. that the mortgage could be within that price range. Well, right there, I've knocked at least two zeros off that list (laughs) just by thinking about that. That's awesome. Right? And so, okay, now it's significantly less chunk of money, still big, but less than what I would need to do otherwise. And the second part is finding someone, finding the right person. So my current house has a suite. And last year we decided we were going to rent it out. And we hired a property manager to do that. And we told her one very important piece of information that our son is loud and that needs to be okay with whoever lives here. And when she put it out there to people, this young man, because I've officially crossed the line now where at 27, he's a young man to me. I don't know when that happened, but it did. So uh, he's 27 and he came in and we explained we have a son with disabilities. He's very curious. You could open up your door one morning and find him standing out there wondering if he should knock and say hello. He's definitely loud. He stomps on the floor. He makes all kinds of noise. And he said, that's totally cool with me. And then they totally liked each other, like loved each other. And it worked out really well. I also know that as a young person myself, when I moved out here, because I came out here to do my master's, if somebody had offered me that, I have two people with disabilities in my own extended family. So I would have been like, this is amazing. Sure. Why? Because I would have felt really safe. Yeah. You don't really hear too many people with significant disabilities committing major crimes. That's right. They don't necessarily know they can. And so that's a total safety factor for me. These are just people who are, as a general rule, going to be nice to me. I would have been like, I'm in. I'll live there. So we know we can find the right person. And now that's going to add a level of safety and security again, because they're going to get to know the sounds of the people living in the house. And then if those sounds change, they will have my phone number to be able to say, "Hmm, Michelle, think something's going down. You might want to get over here. Perfect. Right. They're also going to have that opportunity to just be safe and have a great place to live on their own. So perfect. We can find ourselves a tenant. Then we thought, well, what do we want my son's living situation to look like? Ideally, I'd like to have four or five bedrooms in his side of the house. At least three, one for him and a couple of his friends, maybe a fourth friend. So there might be four of them. And then one for a living caregiver. Now, how do we take care of that? Well, we know that all of these young men through their funding sources have to pay in air quotes rent, right? That money goes through their guardian and it is to pay for where they live. But if the rent from the basement suite will cover the mortgage, then that rent money, again, in air quotes, for those who can't see it, 
can actually be used to pay the salary of the living caregiver. If we don't charge room and board, you can pay them a little bit less. Now we've got that piece taken care of and we can choose whoever we like. And then we also need to think about the fact that living caregivers cannot work 24 seven. So these are all the problems and challenges that we started thinking about and coming up with. Here's our solution. If we live in the same city as myself and those other families, then the families can take turns to spelling off the caregiver. So I envision, say, showing up on a Saturday morning because it'll be a house full of boys, which I currently live in. So they will be living in a house full of boys and walking in the door and being like, dude, you are stinky and your room is stinky. So we're going to take everything out of your room and we're going to load up the washing machine and you're going to go get a shower. Or we're going to do like a Costco shop, go take the boys to go get their groceries and then come home and say, cook a couple of really big meals that can be portioned up and frozen or put in the fridge. And so now I get a chance to hang out with my son and his friends. I get a chance to see physically what's happening in his home. So I know that there's a level of safety there, right? The caregiver gets their time off. I imagine things like having dinner and a movie night with the boys or taking them out, having them all come over here to come for dinner or Christmas or maybe Christmas dinner at their house. Honestly, I don't know what we'd eat. It'd probably be like mac and cheese, but nevertheless, it'll be awesome. Right. And so if the other families, if we each sort of pick a day and schedule it, now we've got all that taken care of. And so our boys would be capable. They're all capable of working to a certain extent, and they are allowed to work for a certain amount of time and up to a certain income level. Okay. So we can help with all that, like getting that the schedule's all sorted and all the rest of it. But ultimately, my son can have an adult life that is as independent as he can be, living with the people that he calls friends, right? And really living his best life. So that's the big vision of where we're headed. Would you like to better attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting? Did you know that podcast advertising has become the number one way to reach customers since 2020? Go to thekidfactor.fun, book a chat with me to see if your business qualifies to advertise on our show. And then explain how the legacy part comes in. Because the first thing that you asked You said the person who asked you a question, where do you see your son living in five years, 10 years, 20, and when you're not here? Absolutely. So clearly I would like to have that set up before I'm not here. So it's a 10-year plan. I really like my son most days and want to keep him. So we're going to be keeping him home with us for the next, it's eight years because we're two years into the plan now. Okay. And... So he's pretty neat. We like having his friends over. I think as we're forging these relationships, good. He's doing well and we're very happy with that. The legacy part comes in because we decided to make this a whole family thing. So I envision when the time is right and we go to actually look at houses, my older son and the people he's choosing to live with, they're going to come with us to look at houses and they're going to have a say in which one we pick. And so I love that. Right. Because now that's empowering him to be like, I'm going to live here. That's cool. The next piece is the house will not be in my son's name because that puts him, it's too big of an asset. So it'll 
take them out of the funding source altogether. So the House will likely be, this is the part we're not quite decided on because it depends on when we buy, likely be in my name. And then we'll need to find somebody to put the house in their name. And this is where my younger son said, mom, I love my brother. I don't want to live with him. But when the time is right, put the house in my name and I'll make sure he's taken care of for the rest of his life. Wow. Wow. Now, that's a child. This is a minor. He looked at me and said that when he was 11 and he has stood by it ever since. He doesn't want to live with him. But in this process, he is very happy to monitor caregivers to make sure that there's a good tenant in the suite. Like he is happy to take care of all those things. And ultimately, when the house is paid off, my younger son can draw salary from that. It can become a stream of income for him. Right. When we first had you on, one of your tips you told your eight-year-old self was multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. And you're doing Absolutely. for your family and creating that legacy yep. for your family and your plan- family plan. And could I add one other little piece? Absolutely. So in this process, the other thing I suggested, the other tip was to know what you don't know and then go figure out how to find it. And that's what we've been doing. So we, during COVID, we spent our time on the computer connecting in the real estate investing world. Obviously, this would be a house I'm buying that I'm not living in. So there's some stuff we need to know. And we thought they use words that I have heard before, but don't exactly understand. So I should probably learn them. I should probably throw this idea out there and see what people think. Am I out in left field? Like, is this completely wackadoodle? Or is somebody going to tell me that it's a good idea? And so I should probably vet that with people who do this regularly, who know what they're doing. Because to me, who doesn't know what they're doing sounded great, but maybe I was completely out in left field. So... And it wasn't my original idea. Also, folks, we originally thought we were going to buy a small apartment building. Like I was really going big. But as we refined our idea and refined our idea and we heard from people in the know, it became clear that that probably wasn't going to be the right route for us, that we needed to make it a little smaller, a little more compact and a little structured a little differently. So that's how we've come to this place. And over the next eight years, it may change again as we really finesse out this idea. So again, don't think you have to have a singular idea and that's all it'll ever be. Your idea is going to change and morph over time. It's going to evolve into what it should be at the end. But having a vision of where you want to go is really going to help you get there. Then that community piece is important. So we started looking at this and thought, well, maybe we should try out getting involved in this real estate investing world. It was all new to us. And maybe we need to get our feet wet and we actually need to have some skin in the game and we need to start learning about this. Plus, we have to grow a big down payment. So we might want to actually try some of this stuff and see. So ultimately, we chose one path, and that was through private lending, which is we lend our money out to people who are investing it in properties or rehabbing, they call it, but it's renovating and flipping properties. And then you get your money back. They pay you a percentage. That seemed to be the most passive, easiest, less stressful way to get in. And so we thought, well, let's try that. So in that process, we interviewed a number of people. We had people do presentations and our youngest son started saying things like, can I sit in on that too? Like, sure. If you want to learn about this while I'm learning about this, I think that's amazing. I mean, you could look at it and say, I wish I had known this when I was eight or 10 or 20, but I look at it as 
I'm learning this in my 20 pluses and my son at 11 is getting this exposure. So the gift is in giving him the gift of our learning it together. And he is going to be set up so much better in his life for having this knowledge than I was at his age. Right. So yeah, absolutely. You can come sit in on these. And I remember a gentleman coming and doing a presentation and it was good. And we were interested. And at the end, he said, do you have any questions? And my younger son said, yeah, I have one. And he looked at the guy and the guy's like, okay. And he says, so can I get in on this too? And the guy looked at him and looked at me and looked at him and looked at me and said, well, I guess if your mom says so. Because we, of course, had been tucking away money for our younger son. He had an account that he knew about that had some money in it. And so I said, well, absolutely. Let's talk about this. Now, obviously, as a minor, we can't have anything in his name. He is not eligible to invest. Well, we could combine his money with ours and do it that way. And so my youngest son became a real estate investor at 11. He since 11, he is now 14 as of the time of this recording. He has had money, that deal completed, and he made a profit. He then was involved in a second deal that completed, and he made a profit. And he has money right now in three deals that are set to close in the next couple of years that are all set to make a profit. And just last year, we decided that we would try buying a rental property to get that experience, to work with a property manager to get that experience. And he contributed a significant chunk of his income that he had made from these other deals into the down payment for that property. And now every month collects a portion of the rent. So his goal is to be the richest person he knows by the time he's 20. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you've already got that done, but okay. That's what the kid factor is all about. Because we have only X amount of years to take advantage of that kid factor. Mm -hmm. If he were 19, 20, 30 years old, he would be paying for this education that he got started at at 11. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do what I do. And I'm so thrilled that you are here sharing that because for our listening audience and our video audience, this is what it's all about. I am finding parents who are doing it young people who are doing it. Now, let me take you in an area. That's the good. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. You, Mm -hmm. your younger son is creating that unstoppable life that only others, his friends are only going to dream about. And Mm -hmm. you as the parent, are empowering him today. Mm -hmm. Do you have a story about the ugly? And what have you learned that, you know, I love to learn Mm -hmm. and yes, I'm willing to go out and learn and make mistakes. I love Mm -hmm. making mistakes that I learn from Mm -hmm. and I teach all of my young entrepreneurs and all of our families, the ones that I coach individually Mm -hmm. that this is how we do this and it's okay to make a mistake Mm -hmm. because at a younger age, making those mistakes are typically safer Mm -hmm. and they're smaller. Than the ones we make as adults. Mm -hmm. What have you learned that you can help our audience to make a learning experience from your mistakes so they don't make that mistake? Absolutely. I've got two. Okay. Uh, The first one is 
choose wisely who you listen to, whose advice you follow. So as we got into all of this, you know, friends and family that we thought were going to be really supportive and encouraging were immediate. No, you can't do that. That's too much money. He can't live on his own. And the list of all the reasons why it will never work came out. And it's really easy. Those things that people say to you, you and I were talking about this off camera, feed the fears you already have. They feed them in a huge, nasty way so that those fears start screaming at you and it can really lead you to stop, right? Right into inaction, to stop what you're doing, to think I can't, like this is not possible. It's so easy. It is so easy to let those things take over. So my suggestion would be, and what we have done, acknowledge them. I think acknowledging your fears is important. My son needs extra care to live independently. Am I sure this is going to work? No, I'm not. Am I sure he's going to be okay and safe every day of his life? No, I'm not. What I am sure of, though, is that I want to try. Awesome. I am sure that as we, again, we got into real estate investing to ask that question. Is this even possible? Like, are we crazy? And the response that we got, because we were very nervous about sharing that out of the gate, really scared. I'm like, I have this little dream and I don't want anyone to crush it. So I don't know if I tell you and you say, no, I'm going to feel so crushed and small and stupid. And I don't want to walk away with my tail between my legs. So I don't know if I want to tell you or not. But we thought we better be brave and put it out there. And the response that we got, shocked us. People were so encouraging. They're like, I don't know anything about special needs, Michelle, but I can find you money. I'm like, say what now? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) I was so shocked by this. And in that community of real estate investors, they had all kinds of ideas like angel investors. I mean, they just kept coming up with all kinds of different strategies that could help us. Now that of course meant I needed to go away and look up these terms and like learn what the strategies were. I'm like, this sounds amazing. I don't even know what it is, but it's so exciting. Right. And so that led us down a path. So choose wisely who you're listening to. If you're listening to people who have lived in their own fears their whole lives, have never successfully stepped outside of their own fear zone to do something bigger than themselves, then you will end up being the same. If you listen, though, to people who are calculated, educated risk takers, not like the crazy guy down the street who won the lotto and just spent it all, but, you know, People who have taken the time to educate themselves, who are making calculated decisions where they're literally thinking it through the pros, the cons, they're doing their due diligence to figure out their decision making, have them teach you how to do it too. Those are the people worth listening to. And they're dying to share it with someone else. Mm -hmm. They are. They really are. Find a community, whatever it is that you're deciding to do, this legacy you're thinking about. I'm hoping you're thinking about something now. Some legacy you'd love to create for your child or family. Who is the community you need to get introduced to to help you achieve that? 
And if you figure that part out, getting introduced to that community is easy. There's Facebook groups, there's online things, there's virtual summits, there's like live things in your hometown. There's lots of free events or events that are relatively cost effective, or maybe it's something you need to save up your money for and invest in. An investment in yourself and your family is always worth it. Whether you decide to pursue it or not, it's worth it because you've learned. Maybe you've learned this is not for me. Great. You learned something. That's fabulous. Now you don't have to pursue that down the road any further. You can be like, all right, it's time to switch switch lanes here or go onto a different highway altogether. And I'm going to go over here. Now, to be clear, as a special education teacher, this was never on my radar. I had to do a lot of learning and a lot of growing, and I'm still doing it. I'm still there. I'm still doing it. But I believe that rather than things being impossible, that I'm possible. And if I put that out there and I believe my son is possible and my other son is possible and my husband is possible and we can collectively make this work. So who are you listening to? That's the first thing. So you're going to get all the people who say, no, you can't. This is impossible. Again, choose wisely who you're going to listen to. And once you find your community, hang on to them because they're going to pour into you that little voice of hope. Hope whispers to you. Fear yells. So let them pour into the hope in your heart. Let them be open to it. That's the other piece. You need to be open to these things and expect, expect pitfalls and potholes. You won't see them coming. That's the thing about a pothole. That's why people's car tires break, right? You don't see it till you're right on top of it. And that's kind of life. So expect those pitfalls, expect those potholes. But be aware that they're going to come at you out of left field. Also be aware that you may be the trailblazer. You may be the first one doing this. There may not be someone else for you to follow in their footsteps. And so you're going to be the one people are watching, which can be a bit nerve wracking. So the next piece is don't let your fear stop you. That is so easy to say, so hard to put into practice. But You need to hang on to that little voice of hope, that little voice that says to you, what if we could actually make this happen? What if we could find the money? What if we could create this situation? What if we could find the right people? That's the one you need to hang on to for dear life and really have a vision of what you want to achieve. Because again, if you're not clear on it, it's so easy to get distracted in a bunch of different ways. And you need to carve out the time to make it happen. And I say carve out the time because as a special needs mom, I know that from the minute my son opens his eyes till he closes them, I am on duty. And that can be very time consuming and it's hard to be focused on other things. And and we're still in the transition process for him this weekend. I've still got very important documents that I've got to get printed out and filled out and submitted. And these are legal documents. So I need to be really clear what I'm doing. Carve out the time. And this circles back to do you have someone in your community that can help you out? Is there that kid down the street that would be would be really happy to take your child to the park and push them on a swing for half an hour so you can sit and do this? Or, you know, can you can you figure out some way to make it happen? Right. So you want to carve out the time and be aware. I'm aware that 
I need longer to do this because there's a lot more things that require my attention that sometimes mean I have to push pause on this one and focus over here. And that's fine. That's why we said it was a 10 year plan. We're giving ourselves a lot of buffer zone. We're into year two and we're still learning and growing. And we're very excited about where we're going. And we do have a vision for for how we're going to get there and what vehicles we're going to use and what community we're using to support us. So again, who are you going to listen to and being really clear in your vision and taking consistent action steps? If you hit pause, make sure you go back and unpause because if you don't, the dream will wither and die. So you want to make sure that you do that. And that's one of the things, again, that you have to be really strong about in your own heart, in your own mind. You have to have, you know, they call it the why that makes you cry. I live with my why. I see him every day and I cannot, I mean, I will get emotional right here telling you that the thought of him living in fear and alone as an adult when I'm not around is enough to drive me to make this happen because I don't want him to know that life. I want him to live a life that's mostly filled with joy and happiness. I recognize that living with people means that, you know, sometimes you're going to be unhappy with people. (laughs) Things are not always going to go your way. But if it's a life that's mostly filled with happiness and joy and the people he wants to have around him and the fact that other families are going to have that peace of mind to know their children are okay and safe too. That's enough right there. So figure out why you're doing this because it will drive you to push that unpause button so that you can keep going. I don't know if that was a mic drop moment, but that's the end of the thought. You turn the ugly into hope. So our families can see it. And Mm -hmm. what I love is that, yes, you are doing this for your child who has special needs. That doesn't mean that any listener with a child can't do this today. Mm -hmm. And they can. And that's why we're here on the kid factor. Mm -hmm. Michelle, this, oh, we definitely are going to have you back. I am so stoked and excited. And I know our listeners and our watchers are going to have, they're going to want to know what's your three look like for you. What's your, I can't wait. What about five, six, seven? Can I add one little piece to what we're doing? Absolutely. And I definitely also want to talk about your summit. Absolutely. No, but let's totally get to that. So one little piece that I'm doing and folks, again, this is just about taking breath, pausing for a beat to look at how you can do this. My son would like to be working. And when he works, he is going to contribute income to get his own home. Now, it's not going to be a lot of money. It's definitely not going to take away a whole lot of zeros because, you know, the kind of job that he would get, he's he's not going to be a CEO of some Fortune 500 company. Although I have to tell you, and you can have me back to talk about this, we are formulating some plans now as to how we can have him become an entrepreneur and do some things that way. But he is going to start contributing to this. Now, think about that from your own perspective. 
when you contributed to the first thing you bought for yourself, you bought it. It had so much value to you. For me, because I was a kid in the 80s, it was a, like a boom box that had a removable cassette player. Oh my God, it was like the bee's knees. I was it's so excited about this thing. Yeah, had its own Walkman. I bought that thing on my own. I saved up my allowance and my babysitting money and I bought that. And I took so much care of that because it was all 100% mine and I understood the value. Mm -hmm. Now, my son, definitely numbers are not his best thing. So he's not going to understand the total value, but the ownership of being part of it, of being included is huge. And again, if you don't have a child with disabilities from my younger son, look at where he's at. He's already talking about buying his first car, which will be a brand new car. That's what he wants to do. And he's also said, I want to buy a house. I don't want a condo or a townhouse. Why does he know these things? Because we looked into them for his brother. So he saw all that. And he said to me, I don't want you to give me any money for it. I want to earn it. Like, you rock my socks. Like, that's so awesome. Right. This is what he's telling me at 14. So be aware that people around you are watching what you're doing. How can you include them? Can somebody host a fundraiser for you? There are lots of people out there who would graciously, like, so excited, be excited to do that for their friend. Right. Could my sidekick showed up again? If you don't have any money, can you and your child bake? And sell the baking? I'm telling you, sell it to the teachers in the staff room. They're always down for a snack, yep. <laughs> right? At your kid's school, right? Get creative. And remember, it's not about how much you start. It's, or how much you start with, it's that you started. And how much you have will grow over time to help you achieve this. Mm -hmm. So include your people. Include them, include your children, all of them in whatever way they can be included, right? Have them be a part of this. Have them be clear on the vision. My younger son can eloquently speak about what we're doing because he's been with us on the whole journey. And he's real clear on this and where how this is going to work and all that. So by all means, do that. Now, you asked me to talk to you about the caregivers. Yes. So in this process, of course, of talking about all this, I talk to a lot of people who I discover are caregivers. Now, if they have a child with disabilities, that's usually one of the first things that I find out because I talk about my son a lot and then they share. But I have talked to other people who are caregivers for, say, a spouse who's had a traumatic brain injury, maybe a car accident or a stroke. And now they're suddenly finding themselves in this caregiving role for someone they weren't expecting to have to caregive for. Or like many of us, we have aging parents. And now we're finding ourselves in this position of having to be a caregiver to our parents. And, and it's a pretty lonely process, truthfully, being a caregiver. You're kind of on your own for most of it, figuring out like where to go, who to connect with. If you're lucky, you'll find organizations that, you know, are a perfect fit for you. In our case, my son's needs are pretty diverse. And so there's no one organization or agency that can provide us everything that we need for him. So really, I'm on my own to try and figure this all out kind of by myself. And it can be pretty lonely. And a caregiver is like the teapot that just keeps pouring into somebody else's cup. We do. We have to pour into other people because their needs are great and they need someone to do that. But the question arose, who's pouring into us? Right. 
And often the answer is not much or nobody, nobody because we're so busy. You get so busy in the day-to-day taking care of people that you forget about taking care of yourself or addressing your own your own thoughts and concerns about being a parent of a child with disabilities or now my my spouse is very different than they were before how do i how do i handle this in the community or explain it to our families or when we have people over for dinner how do we do that that may also apply to your parent is aging and now maybe you've got issues of you're on one coast and they're on another and now you've got costs involved cuz you got to get involved and you know there's all these things and so it's really easy to deplete feel depleted like you're pouring from an empty cup all the time and that led me to think in this journey, it would be really nice to have a community of people who just get it. They get what it's like to be a caregiver, to have these people who take so much, not not in a bad way. They just need so much that we have to give. And it would be really nice to have people when I have a bad day to be able to say, oh, I'm having a bad day. And they get what that could mean without me having to explain it. Right. Or ending up being the pariah in the room because I start talking about how hard things are and people are like, oh, poor you. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't like that feeling either. So myself and another special needs mom who is also caregiving for her mother. So she's got the bookends, decided that we wanted to do something about that too. So we have launched a virtual caregiver summit series where we are bringing together, much like this call with you, Barb, people who are doing incredible things to inspire us, people who are going to give us suggestions of ways that we can care for ourselves, things we hadn't even thought about, right? Like what does me time mean for a caregiver? Well, that might mean in my case that I get to pee by myself. Between the the child and the dog, it might mean that I get to have a 20-minute shower uninterrupted. How nice would that be to not try to have to find, help someone find their socks while I'm washing my hair, (laughs) you know? And then to educate us on things that are possible. Mm -hmm. What services are out there? Who can we connect with? And to have a community of people who understand, at least on some level, what it's like for all of us. So. We have launched this Caregiver Summit series because we know it's not a one and done. There's no like one summit going to solve all the issues of caregivers all over the world. And what we know is that caregivers all over the world feel very similar, that it's a lonely road and that no matter where you are, there's not enough services available. There's never enough funding that would meet the needs of our people. It's just not and, you know, I live in a, a great country with a lot of things available to me. There are a lot of countries where there's almost nothing available to people and still it's not enough. So we wanted to do something about that. So we have launched this summit series and I am so excited about it. I'm really excited to have it come up. Ideally, we're going to be moving into multiple. So either twice a year or quarterly, we're going to be putting them on under different topics that people would find interesting and useful. And then to have that community forged out of that, where people like us are going to say, hey, I love this. Or, oh my gosh, I have this idea, guys, am I crazy? Do you think we could do it? And then we can all link arms and support each other around the globe to help get it done. And my son totally agrees. So... I don't know if you guys heard that, but I sure did. Okay. 
So yeah, if you want to check it out, you can go to www.funandfeistycaregivers.com and it's all spelled out, even the end. Funandfeistycaregivers.com to come check it out. Check out what we're up to, get tickets to attend the event. If that you're someone who uh, we want to support caregivers as well. So if you're a caregiver who's in business, we want to support you. Like you could be a sponsor for the event and get yourself some promotion for that. You can be a speaker. If you've got something really cool you want to talk about, we want to talk to you. So we want to provide as many options to create a circular system where caregivers are looking after caregivers are looking after caregivers. So that we can create, we can create what it is that we need in the world and then invite as many people as we can to be a part of it with us. That's fantastic. That Mm -hmm. is fantastic. And I love you're bringing in the caregivers who also caregive to caregivers. Mm -hmm. And you're creating a community where there isn't one. You're the leaders. You're the one people are going to start looking towards. And I am so grateful and thankful to be a part of that with you mm-hmm. and you bet. help you with that. And, oh, Michelle, it is, yeah, you're onto some massive things. Yeah, pretty so excited to see where this is going to go. Well, we are going to definitely put all of that into the show notes. And where else can our listeners listen to and watchers watch Living Your Legacy? Well, Living Your Legacy, the podcast is on pretty much every platform podcasts are on. If you are looking to find it easily, though, you can go to my own website, which is www.livingyourlegacy.ca because we're in Canada. And you can reach me there too. It is Michelle at livingyourlegacy.ca. And we would love to share with you what we're doing in terms of the podcast. The TV show is on Phoenix TV, which is aired on Apple and Roku and all the streaming services. So if you want to see who I'm talking to, you can see them in addition to hearing them. Oh, thank you so much. And Any last thoughts that you want to share with our community that we haven't touched before we sign off and before we hear from you in another episode a year from now, if not sooner? For sure. Yes. So if the parents are listening, I'm talking to you. I believe in whatever it is that you believe is possible for your child. One of the things that was told to me, and I saw myself as a special needs teacher, is that, and and this may sound a little harsh, so be prepared. Our children are not disabled because of their disabilities. They're disabled by how we engage with them. If I see my son as less than, that is all he will ever be because I've set the bar. If I see my son as reasonably capable and I set the bar just that little bit beyond where he is now, not so far beyond, he can never achieve it, but just that little bit above where he is, then chances are he's going to strive to reach it. The same goes for us. So view your children in terms of what is possible. What is possible for you, little person in my life? And then believe that you have everything within you to make it happen. You do. You just got to find the right community and the right supports and it will all work out. So I believe in you and go get them. Enough said. 
now it takes the steps and the actions. Mm -hmm. And I think as a challenge, everyone, let's go do it. Let's go, go do, do it. it, people. And then tell me about it. I want to hear so I can celebrate it. you. Put it in comments. Share with all of us. Share on our social media where you hear and learn about all what we're doing. So mm -hmm. I am so thrilled. And you know how we close the show? Remember your ABCs. Be strong in all that you do. In academics, athletics, business, cash flow, and in life. Because when you do that, you will be unstoppable and you will create the life that others only dream of. Michelle, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with the Kid Factor community. Absolutely. I hope I've inspired somebody to go out and take some action. Today. 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 Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends and family. Be sure to go to our website, thekidfactor.fun, to receive your free PDF tips for raising financially independent kids. 